Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am so glad that you're here today. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Think of this as a therapy session with your best friend. Oftentimes, God brings things up because they are on the way out. Lean into the topic that God is bringing up today on The Secret to Success. Be sure to stick around until the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. This week's guest wrote the book, Tested and Approved, 21 Lessons for Life and Ministry. I read the entire thing in 21 days, and I felt like I was being mentored the entire time. As Apostolic Senior Pastor of Gateway Church, Tom Lane oversees the outreach ministries of Gateway Church, which include the King's University, Gateway Global Ministry, Kingdom Business Leaders, Gateway Church Network, and Gateway Resource Library, along with their related ministries. He works directly with the Gateway Executive Team in each of these ministry areas to execute the vision and values of the church. Tom's ministry experience, relational style, and personal experience bring a warmth to his leadership, speaking, writing, and pastoral ministry. He's written several books over his 38 years of ministry, including Tested and Approved, Heritage, A Father's Influence to the Generations, Healthy Church Government, He Still Speaks, Strong Women and the Men Who Love Them, and Letters from a Dad to a Graduate. Tom and his wife, Jan, have been married since 1972, and they have four married children and 15 grandchildren. Today's interview was full of golden nuggets, so I suggest having a place to take some notes nearby. Let's go ahead and meet Tom now. Well, hello, Tom, and welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm very glad to be with you, Rachel. Look forward to our conversation today. Me too. Um, I have a lot of questions for you, but before we jump into them, I'd like to just start by asking, so I read your beautiful professional bio in the beginning of the show. What is maybe something random about you that we wouldn't have read in your bio? Um, I uh, developed a health club facility, Rackable Health Club in Amarillo. I I developed it as a a business uh, that I was going to own. But uh, in the process of raising funds to build it, I sold it to a, a guy that I played racquetball with, and he built it. And it was called King's Court, operated as King's Court for, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 years, and, and then switched to become a gold gym. And it operates as a gold gym in Amarillo today. Wow. That's definitely a fun fact I didn't know about you. I love that. <laughs> I, I love... so. I am actually about to graduate from the King's University as a counselor, and I think that that counselor in me is always like, I could just sit here and talk about your Pat, your all your things all day long, you know. But um, oh, that's that's a fun fact. I didn't know that. So before we got started, I was sharing with you that my husband and I um, have been members of Gateway for 14 years now. I can always remember how long we've been there because our oldest daughter, it's we started going like when she was one month old. So I'm like, whatever age she is, that's how long we've been there. So we have got to sit under your leadership in many ways, and you've written several books, but your most recent one is the one we're going to talk about today: Tested and. Approved 21 Lessons for Life and Ministry. 
I have to tell you, I've already read this front to back. I have given away copies to other people. It's so good. Um, I, I always like to hear, though, when people write books, I always am like, what inspired you? What inspired this particular book that you wrote? In 2000, I ran across an internet article. It was an article that was accorded to Bill Gates, and uh, it's, it talked about uh, 11 lessons for life. You won't learn in college or something like that. And uh, supposedly, he delivered it as a commencement exercise. And just the thought of it sort of triggered my thinking. I wonder what my 11 lessons for life would be. And would, do I have 11 lessons? And and so I started writing down thoughts of, well, here's a lesson I've learned and here's something I've learned. And at the time, it was all with the thought that I'd share it with my kids or my grandkids. Well, I wrote down 11 lessons. And then as the years went on, I'd add a lesson or two. Uh, as I as I would learn them, and in 2017, I was asked by a church in in uh, South Carolina to speak at a year end staff retreat, and it was a large church with a large staff. And they there were three of us that were speaking. There was a young guy, and he was talking about how to begin right. There was a guy that was on their staff that was talking about how we maintain our course and our focus. And then they asked me to speak on finishing strong. And I thought, I, up until that point, I hadn't thought about finishing strong. I, I was still running my race, I thought. And, uh, but they obviously saw me as an older guy having, you know, run most of my race, I guess. And I thought, well, uh, by this time I had 17 lessons. And I thought, maybe I could just abbreviate these lessons, you know, and here's what I've learned in my race and I'll pass it along to you. And speaking to the staff went well. And I, not long after I, that finished that. It was late in the year. Uh, our publishing group came to me and said, okay, we're ready for another book. What have you got? And I said, well, interesting that you ask. I have this that I, I uh, thought I would have for my kids and grandkids, but uh, I'd be willing to share it if this is something. And they went, oh my gosh, yes, this would be awesome. Can you just start writing it? And uh, as I wrote it, I identified four more lessons to round it up to 21. So that's how I got to 21 lessons. These are all things that I've learned and applied in my own life. And over the years, I've, uh, I've either received from, you know, my dad or learned as I, as I lived life and I tried to apply them to my kids. And so I just tell those stories and their application in the book. Yeah. You know what I loved about the book is I actually read it in 21 days because it was like you were fathering me. Like, and I know that my, I don't know if that sounds weird or not, but every day it was like, okay, I'm sitting down for, you know, coffee with Tom. What's, what are we going to learn today? And I just love that because I feel like our generation, I mean, my generation, especially we need so much of that. Like we need that voice in our lives. And I can't even tell you the number of times that the Holy Spirit has brought back to memory, like one of your chapters, like I'd be struggling with something. And then I go back and be like, Oh, yeah, he talked about that. What was that again? And so it's just, I love practical. I'm all about practical. In fact, I always at the end of this show, we do a let's get real practical segment to like tie everything together. So to me, I just loved how practical the book was. Um, So I have several of the chapters, several of the chapters were just 
totally eye-opening and, and really blessed me. But I'm going to highlight a few of them, a few of the themes that I saw in, a, in them. And the first one is um, when you talk about ministry and life are not fair. And I'm going to say, I'm going to read something that I, that you wrote in your book. You said, neither life nor ministry are based on fairness. And if you focus on fairness, neither one will ever make sense to you. Life must be based on faith no matter what you do. So let me ask you, my question is, how can we ensure we focus on that faith over fairness? Yeah, I think there's a justice in us because God is a just God and we're created in his image. And so when something is unjust, we tend to think of it as not being fair. It's just, it's not fair. And yet so much of what we would uh, ascribe as not fair is out of our control. And so the only way we can really navigate things that are beyond our control is with a perspective that God, who is the creator of the universe, sovereign in all things, that he has a divine plan that's being rolled out in my life. And despite what I might think is unfair or unjust or uh, something that I don't deserve, God promises that he will be with me. He'll walk with me through whatever it is and that he'll use it to further his purpose in my life. And so when I look at a situation and I'm tempted to go, wait a minute, no fair. That's not right. That's, you know, I didn't deserve that. The the response, that's a natural response because justice is coming up inside of us to, to say, wait a minute, my justice meter just went off and it's, you know, it's pegging over here. It's not, not fair. I say, but God, you know my circumstance, you know this boss that is not treating me right, you know this this friend that has done me wrong or this situation, and I ask you to walk me through it, and I trust you in the result that takes place. It's the only way you can make sense. I, I used a couple of examples in that chapter saying, so how is it right, a guy, I'm, I referred to Jim Fix because he he was a runner. Uh, in sort of my generation runner. And he was a healthy guy, one of the first sort of well-known runners, uh, competitive runners, and he died of a heart attack while he was running. And here's a guy supposedly fit and doing every eating right, exercising right, and he dies of a heart attack. And how is that fair when compared against some other people who you look at and they don't exercise, they don't eat right, they don't take care of their bodies, and they live to a hundred. It's like, it, it's not fair. And uh, the only answer to that is life is not fair. And you have to sort of understand God has a number of days determined for us. And he's working within those days. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Just let God uh, work with you in the circumstances of life. That's the essence of it. Yeah, I love your real life examples in the book. You know, I'll never forget being a mom. Um, I <laughs> every single parent have heard that phrase. That's not fair, you know. And I, re- I know being a parent has taught me so much about God. And um, whenever I first heard my kids say that, it made my skin crawl. You know, like hearing it. But it was almost like every time though that that happens, the, the Holy Spirit was immediately like, "Yeah, that's." Rachel, you have some things in your own life that you're saying are not fair. You know, maybe we, maybe you should take a look inward as well. You know, and uh, anyway, I love I love those real life examples that you give. Um, another thing that I love that you talked about is that the secret sauce to success is God. I feel like we could hang out on this point all day long. 
how come that's that's really honestly opposite of what our world teaches us, right? I mean, I don't know, in in all cultures, not just the uh, secular world, but even sometimes in the Christian world, how do we lean into that truth that God really is a secret sauce to success? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, maybe the the reflection of that is we might be tempted to say, man, I was just lucky, you know, knock on wood. And it's like, no, no, you're right. If you what you mean by luck is that you have advanced, you've received way more than you deserve, uh, then it's God who gives the power to get wealth, and he adds no sorrow to it. So the whole idea, it, it starts with a God worldview. You know, if, if you don't have a God worldview, then you can't really understand that every blessing, every provision of life, even the very breath that we breathe on a moment-by-moment basis, it comes from God. We can logically understand that if our planet were closer to the sun, we would burn up. If it were further away from the sun, we would freeze to death. And yet God is the one who suspends the planets in in space and keeps them in their, their proper orbits. And so if we have a God perspective, then uh, we partner with him. Life then becomes a a process of living in converging moments. And uh, when I look back on my life, uh, that's the way I I understand my life. If you would have asked me at 21 years old when I was graduating from college, did you know that you would be where you are today at 68 years old? And I would say, no, my life has not unfolded anything like I thought. I thought that I would be running my dad's company and that I would, as a Christian businessman, I would have a platform that I would use to influence people. But my life, as I look back, is these moments where I come to an opportunity and I'm faced with the responsibility to say, God, what do you want me to do? And if I'm measuring, measuring them by my intellect, I can say, well, this road really looks the best and I can choose for myself or I can say, I need you to show me what you want me to do. And I'll, if you'll show me, I'll do it. I'll give you a, a, just a personal example of this. So uh, when I graduated from college, I went to work for my dad thinking my dad and some partners had a wholesale distribution, paper distribution business with 11 warehouse locations, mostly in the Midwest. So uh, I was transferred to Oklahoma City. And while I was living in Oklahoma City, I, a friend from church uh, who worked for IBM said, hey, you ought, to, you ought to work for IBM. And I said, yeah, right. And he said, no, I'm serious. And he said, we have some openings. Can I put your name in? And I said, sure, go ahead. Well, they called me to come and interview for one of two positions in their mainframe computer division. There were 11 uh, people interviewing for these two positions. And I went through a series of interviews. And uh, my prayer was, God, I, I'm not smart enough to figure this out. If, if this will not be good for me, if this is not your plan for my future, then I need you to shut the door. Because if this door remains open to me, I'm saying yes. I, you know, wow, what a platform, you know, IBM would be. What a opportunity this would be for my family and myself. And so I need you to decide. It's that convergent moment. And it, so it got down to three of us to fill the two positions. And I went in for a final interview. And when I when I went in for the interview, I was the first one called in and 45 minutes or so we, we talked and 
at the end of the interview, the guy said, okay, you're one of my guys, Tom, I'll be back to you within two weeks with a formal offer. Well, this was before the days of email or, you know, text messaging, that kind of stuff. It was, it would have come to me by registered mail or by normal mail. First week goes by, I don't have an offer. Second week goes by and I'm thinking, well, what if, what if he mailed it to me and it got lost? And so I called him. I said, Hey, this is Tom Lane. And you know, you told me that you'd be sending me an offer in the mail and I'd just want to let you know I hadn't received it. And he said, Oh yeah, yeah, Tom. Hey, great talking to you. Listen, I'm so sorry. I can't really explain it, but you, when you left, you were going to be one of my guys. I mean, I, I really was impressed. And he said, but I offered the job to the other two guys. And he said, oh, but you would be great at IBM. Can I just put your name in for another, another position we're trying to fill? And I said, no, really, thank you. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed the interview process. Thank you. And just in my heart, it was like God said, no, that's not the path I have for you. Take this path. And about a month later, we were transferred to Amarillo. And uh, my life has unfolded as it is today because I took that path. Wow. See, and what I love about that story is how you were able to just trust God in that moment, because I feel like that's a really delicate piece of time in your life is when something like that happens and you were sure a door was going to open and then it doesn't. And I feel like that is a very vulnerable space where either we can trust God or we can allow the enemy to swoop in and go, oh, you're a loser. Like all these things, you know, what's wrong with you? You didn't try hard enough. You didn't, if you had done better in that interview, things could be different. How do we keep ourselves going down that right path, you know, rather than letting the voice of the enemy swoop in in a very vulnerable season? Well, the first thing I would say is I think that is knowing that the enemy is the accuser of us. And so he's going to accuse God to us. See, God didn't, didn't care about you. God doesn't care. He didn't open that door for you. Or he accuses us to ourselves. You, you are such a loser. Everybody knows you're a poser. You're not who they really thought you are. And when, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the intention is to turn our, turn our focus inward on ourselves rather than to focus it upward and say, Oh, no, I remember, God. You, Jeremiah 29 says that you have plans for me, plans for good and not for evil, that you, you've determined the number of my days, that you are working, and so, and that you're a good father, and you know how to give good gifts to your kids. And so even though I thought this would be a really good gift, when I, I love, there's a song we used to sing. It was the first time I heard it, it was at a Christmas production and Mary was singing it after the angel had spoken to her. And he says, when, you know, she says, when, when you can't uh, see his hand, trust his heart. Mm. And, and so, you know, we, there, there will be multiple times. Uh, Well, here's the way Proverbs says it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. I mean, it's so tempting to lean on our own understanding, but we're going to trust in God. And so every time the enemy accuses me, I say, nope, God has a good plan. Nope, I did my best. And if that, that's not good enough, then this isn't what God had for me. I, I resist the accusation with a God-type thought. And uh, it, some days are better than others. That's what spiritual warfare is all about. We stand in faith saying, I, I believe in God. I believe 
that God is speaking, that God is leading my life. I believe. I don't understand. I believe. Well, Tom, you're fathering me again today because I have a situation <laughs> like that in my life that I'm like, oh, I have, I'm having to fight the good fight and, you know, keep the good faith. And so I know the listeners have to be feeling the same way that I am. Today's episode is brought to you by my most downloaded resource called Three Action Steps to Overcome Fear and Pursue Your God-Given Dreams. Inside this free training, I give you access to the exact three steps I take when fear is looking me in the face and holding me back from moving forward towards my dreams. It also includes the one tool I use on a daily basis to keep a sound mind, and it comes in a beautiful nine-page PDF workbook with detailed instructions on how to silence your fears. To download, head to rachelgilbert.com forward slash overcome fear. You know, we're talking about this uh, subject of success. Before I ask my next question about success, I actually would love for you to define success for us. Well, a simple definition of success is to fulfill the full measure of God's plan for our life. Mm. You know, Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. Success is, is a process. It's, it is a process that activates our faith. If we measure success by how much money we stacked up or by what kind of awards or accolades we've gotten, we're, we're falling short of what could be if we say, no, I, I, here, here's my goal in life. I want to hear God. I want to hear what he wants me to do in every situation. I want to wrestle what I'm hearing to the point of coming to activate faith, which is believing. And then I want to obey. Hear, believe, obey. Hear, believe, obey. It sounds so simple, but those are the places that God can miraculously do things in our life. Yeah. And I think you, you also put it in your book, um, Success is Obedience, right? Yeah. And that's what, so you have the hear, believe, obey. I'm curious on which of those three do you feel like we get most hung up on, the hearing, the believing, or the obeying? Uh, I would say equally, it's a process. If, if when I talk to people and they're stuck, uh, sometimes they're stuck in the hearing process. You know, they, they feel like God is saying something but they they're they're trying to understand it with their logic and they can't process it and so they're stuck i i don't know if i'm hearing or not i don't know i don't hear god in, in this situation or they feel like they've heard but what what they're moving toward is actually saying is this what god wants me to do do i do this i i will let me say this it, it begins at salvation but in every major decision of life your faith will be questioned and it has to have something to stand on. So we receive the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that we, through his righteousness, we are made righteous and our sins are, are forgiven. And we wrestle through that to say, I don't, but I don't understand that. I, I don't, I didn't deserve it. I don't, I don't earn it. And we come to a place of saying, okay, it's in the Bible. I, I think it it's right. Yeah, I believe. And then after we believe, 
then we we start questioning really not really did that happen and the obeying god by walking in intimate relationship with him sort of gets bogged down because we start questioning and the attacks come you, know, you you didn't really get saved it was an emotional thing you know you your friends went down so you went down and you didn't make and look at nothing's changed in your life you still have anger you still have these problems that are uh, are working and it petrifies our our belief petrifies and dies versus saying nope I, I i believed i i anchored it because this is what the word says you do if you'll confess your sins acknowledge them before god and, and repent you will be saved okay i did that i mean i feel it today but i did that i'm saved and the more you do that the more confidence comes along as as you know rachel i I do prophetic ministry at the at the church and other places, and it, it's the same issue in prophetic ministry. When you when you feel like whether you're a parent hearing something for your kids, or whether you're being drawn to somebody that you don't know, and you feel like here's a message for this person, and you go, "Well, I, you know, no, I'm not sure about that." Well, I heard a, a guy say one time, "If you're going to share a prophetic word," and you're unwilling to be embarrassed, you'll never share. Because if you are if you stand on the side and say, well, I would do it if I absolutely knew, you're not going to absolutely know ever. Uh, God will give enough clarity so you have some rocks to walk on as you're walking in faith. But at some point, you're going to have to leap mm, yeah. and say, I trust in you, God. I trust you're going to catch me. The parenting picture is me in the pool with my kids on the edge. And I say, come on, jump, jump. I won't catch you. I'm going to catch you. No, daddy, get closer, get closer. Let me, let me have your hands. Let me have your, no, daddy, no, no, no. And you know, I know I'm going to catch them. I know they're going to be all right. And I'm enticing them jump. They have to ultimately trust that I'm not going to let them drown. I'm going to catch them. And over and over, that's the way it is with God and us. Yeah. So it comes back to knowing and trusting his character. And I know for me, the obeying part, is easier when I feel like, yeah, this seems like a great thing to do. But even recently, I have a kind of a funny example. God, um, the hardest thing is when he asked me to step down from things. I feel like it's easy to say yes, like, yes, we're stepping in and it's a new opportunity. But he had stirred on my heart to step down from something. And that's always hard for me. I wrestle a little bit more. I'm like, Am I, are we sure this is you? Because this seems like a great opportunity. Everybody would love this opportunity. Why would I step down from an opportunity? And I wrestled with it. And I heard him that very loud and clear, yes, you need to step down. If you if you remain, you're in disobedience. You know, even though it's a good thing, it's not for me anymore. It was for season but not now. And um, I was believing that he's a good father. Okay, you must know what you're doing, right? So I typed up the email to step down on a Wednesday. Thursday came around, still hadn't sent it. Friday came around, still hadn't sent it. And I'm not even kidding. It was pulled up on my computer screen with the little send button. And I'm just staring at the send button like, you can do it. You can press it. You can do it. But it was just this like whole wrestling. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I seriously had this moment of, oh my goodness, like what? There's something like I'm just not trusting that God knows what's best for me, you know? And I can't tell you when I finally hit send, it was like, Oh, like I felt like somebody just had lifted 500 pounds off my back, you know, like all of a sudden I was like, that was the right choice. Okay. 
I did it. And it was a, you know, it was met with gracious, you know, response and everything. But it was just, yeah. it just cracked me up because I was like, that obedience part is really hard when you don't know what's lying on the other side, you know, like, I don't know. So I thought that was funny. And, and, <laughs> and if you feel that what you're giving up is associated with some promise that God gave you, that makes it hard. It's those kind of things that it sort of make it easy for us to really understand Abraham when God asked him to sacrifice Isaac. We know what Romans tells us is that Abraham said, Isaac is the promise, but God is bigger than the promise. And if need be, he can raise him from the dead. So, okay, God, if you want me to kill him. So sometimes you have just the situation you were describing you wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. You say, okay, God, this is what you want me to do. Okay. You hit send and the people respond and they say, Rachel, no, I'm not, I'm not accepting your resignation. I'm, I'm not. And then it's like, God says, okay, it was just a test. You don't have to, they, they don't want you to quit. You can stay. I just wanted to know that you would give it up for me. Mm-hmm. And I've had those experiences too. Yep. <laughs> so you never know. You never know when you hit send if it's going to come back and say, never mind, never mind, it's fine. Yeah. Or it's going to be, nope, you give it up. Yep. You're trusting in God both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I've actually had both experiences recently. This one I just told you about, they, we, we parted our ways and it was fine. But then another one, another thing he asked me to step down from, they came back to me and said, you know what? A little bit of Rachel is better than no Rachel. So what can you give? You know, like, is it an hour once a month? And then that's great. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that. You know, <laughs> so anyhow. Um, okay. So you touched on something a second ago and you said it briefly. I did not have this in my notes, but I want to just bring it up just for a second, because I feel like God's leading us here, um, and then we'll wrap up our conversation. Um, you mentioned prophetic ministry. I'm actually going to have um, Lisa on the show to talk about that, because I really sense I want this to be talked about more. Um, I The kind of ministry I do... I get to meet people of all kinds of different backgrounds, and I've learned not many people really know what prophetic ministry is. If they have the things they've heard about it might seem a little weird or creepy. They're just really, it's like the, the unknown for a lot of people. I know this is a whole con- separate conversation we could have for another half an hour, but would you just kind of share what you meant when you said that you do prophetic ministry and what that what that looks like? Yeah, the, your listeners probably fall into one of a couple of different categories. Either they feel like the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are described in 1 Corinthians 12, they no longer exist. Everything was fulfilled in Christ, and we don't need those things anymore. Or they they believe in gifts, but they're a little reticent because what they've experienced has been kind of weird and kooky. So whenever I'm, I minister or teach on prophetic ministry, I say, Well, the Old Testament view of prophets, the person that that stood outside the camp and called them to repentance and and accused them of what they were doing on God's behalf angrily, that ended with John the Baptist in the New Testament. Uh, That's the way Jesus said. The, The law and the prophets existed to John the Baptist. But after John the Baptist, something new came. And the something new was the new covenant in Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit personally resident in us. So the the Holy Spirit, where the prophets had to call them from sin, uh, expose sin, draw them back to God in their wayward ways, the Holy Spirit does that in our life. First Corinthians then says, 
prophetic ministry now is to build up. And it's characterized by three things, edification, exhortation, or comfort. Edification, exhortation, or comfort. So, and and then in in my experience, sometimes the, the church uh, seems to portray that uh, prophetic ministry is sort of for this elite class of believers. It's not for everybody, and that's just not the case. Corinthians tells us it's for everybody. Paul says, "I wish that everyone. I, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts." First Corinthians fourteen. But I wish that everybody did prophetic ministry so that the body would be built up. So, you know, I think to some degree, if you're a believer, so there's, there's a a positive nature to people, you know, that they just, they see the glass half full, no matter what it is, that's an element. But beyond that, there is a, a word, a kind word, a word of encouragement, a word that you're, doesn't come out of your own perception or understanding that the Holy Spirit sort of bubbles up in your life. And it might happen that you're, you're standing in the, the checkout line at Walmart or, you know, in the line to get your tickets at the theater and somebody in front of you and you have this impression and you say, Hey, I don't know if this means anything to you, but, and, and you share them. They went, how'd you know that? What, who, t- who told you that? What? And it's that kind of thing that brings the revelation of God active and alive in people's lives. I'll give you an example of this. So uh, we in the church, we're supposed to help people develop these gifts, and that's why we do it. Not to show off, but to, to model it for them to be able to see and, and replicate in their own lives. So I was in a service a while back, and there was a lady at the very back of the auditorium, and I was drawn to her in our worship times. And so I know, okay, Lord, what are you, is there something you want to say to her? Is there just something significant? So I, uh, I felt like the Lord said, tell her that the opportunity is for me. And if she'll say yes, I'll bless her in it. So I leaned over to the pastor and I said, well, I think I have a word for a lady back there. And he said, okay, why don't you get up, close off worship and give the word. I said, okay. So I got up and I said, after we close off worship, before I had everybody sit down and greet and all that stuff like we do, I said, I have a word for a lady in the very back and I'm sort of trying not to point, but pointing and my eyes are making contact with her. And and I said, yes, ma'am, you. And she goes, and I said, yes. And I said, here's what I felt like the Lord said to tell you today is that the opportunity is from him. And if you'll say yes, he'll bless you in it. And I said, does that mean anything? And she went, I said, okay. And we, you know, and we went, we entered into the greeting time and uh, the service went on at the end of the service. She comes up to me and she said, what was that? I thought, "Uh Oh, and and I said, well, that's what we call a prophetic word. It's, it's a demonstration of God inserting himself into the circumstances of your life. And she said, well, how did you know? And I said, I, I don't know. It's God. You'll have to tell me what that word means to you. Did it mean something to you? She said, oh, my gosh, I left my work on Friday and I was told I was given the opportunity for a promotion promotion in my job. And I have to let them know on Monday if I'm going to take the job or not. And I've been wrestling all weekend with I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm qualified to do this. I don't I don't know. And you tell me that the opportunity is from God. And if I'll say yes, he'll bless me in it. How did you know that? I said, ma'am, I I did not know that. 
but the, but God knows it. He knows your circumstance. And I think if you'll simply say yes, you'll see God in some ways that you have never seen him before. Bless your life. And she goes, oh, my gosh. She said, this is the first time I've been to this church. She said, I'll be back. <laughs> and I, I think people need to know that God is real. He's alive. He's interactive in our life. And I say this to everybody that I'm talking about. This isn't just a, something in church. It's for parents with their kids. I can tell you stories about words that I've gotten for each one of my kids and how it redirected their life. And when you talk with Lisa, Lisa's a beautiful example of this. She's so prophetically gifted and, you know, she's our second child. Uh, and it inserts the reality that God is alive and real into our life and circumstances. Yeah. You know, um, Lisa, I think it's been maybe 10 years ago. I don't remember. One of my first encounters with her, she actually gave me a prophetic word that I still have recorded. And um, what I want the listeners to know right now is that, and I don't always share this, is that before we go live to record, I always pray that the Holy Spirit would direct our conversation. And I did not have in my list of questions, guess what? We have like six questions I didn't even get to, and, and we're done out of time, unfortunately. But I asked the Holy Spirit, please direct our conversation where you need it to go. And I want the listeners to know that the Holy Spirit directed it to this topic of prophetic. So I feel, I just sense that um, you should lean into this today. And I'd, wherever you sit in the camps that Tom talked about, you know, you might land in one of those two camps. I want to encourage you to lean in. And Tom, um, well, first of all, I am going to continue this conversation of the prophetic and go deeper with Lisa. But um, are there any resources you recommend for people listening who are interested to learn more about prophetic specifically? Yes. Uh, a friend and I wrote a book on prophetic ministry uh, called He Still Speaks. And it's a great resource. Another resource, Pastor Robert Morris has written a book uh, called The God I Never Knew. And that's about the, the fullness and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so if you have questions about whether or not that is even real for today, that'd be a, a great place to start. And then if you if you say, well, I, I, I believe that and I, I think I've received the Holy Spirit, but I, I don't know about this prophetic ministry. Well, my friend Wayne Green and I, have unpacked this, you can, you can get that. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll have those resources in um, today's show notes. Well, as we wrap up, uh, Pastor Tom, is there any final word of encouragement you'd like to give the listeners? Yes. Uh, first, a word of information, then a word of encouragement. So you mentioned at the start of the show that you felt like you'd read in 21 days and I, that I was sort of sitting across the table from you and, you know, fathering you in some of these lessons. After I wrote the book, our, our publishing group came and said, you know, this is so good. We think that it would be a great mentoring resource. Uh, would you write a mentoring guide to go along with these lessons? So I said, sure. So I, I sat down and wrote a companion to this. I called it a coaching playbook. It's for a one-on-one uh, or it could be a small group, but the idea is what would I do if I had one person or three or four per people around a table and I said, okay, 
Let's talk about lesson one and how that impacts your life. And so the coaching manual unpacks the lesson a little bit more and then gives you asks questions that gives you opportunity to apply it in your life. So that's available as well. Tested and approved uh, coaching playbook is what it's called. So that, and then what I, uh, the encouraging word that I would give to your listeners today is what radically changed my life is when I, I moved from understanding God as a, a, a religious form, something that I related to in, you know, in a ecclesiastical hymn or a doxology of some kind. And I entered into a personal, vibrant relationship with God. So everything we're talking about, whether it's prophetic ministry or it's, uh, it's about the lessons that I've learned, it's the, the result of an intimate relationship with God and everybody can have it. It's not something that's special for me or for you, but it's, it's available to all of us through what Jesus Christ did. And so if, if you happen to call upon this podcast and you go, well, I know God in a really religious way, I'd say I was there once and all of us have been there in some way uh, at one time or another. But today now you've been, you've had an encounter with the living God speaking to your heart. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I, I I can't make it on my own. I'm a sinner. I receive you today and I invite you into my life and everything will change. So that's my hope for every, every one of us is we're, we're on a journey. I'm still on my journey and I'm learning more every day. I already think there's a a sequel that's going to come out, 21 more lessons or something like that. And that's what we all need to do. We're all learning lessons and we're on a journey with God. And I hope every person is encouraged in their journey today. Yeah. Amen. What a beautiful way to wrap up our conversation. And where can people purchase the book? So they can go to TomLaneBooks.com. It's available uh, uh, in audio or in hardback. They can go to Amazon or any of their normal book sources, uh, or they can go to resources at gatewaypeople.com. Perfect. And again, all those links will be in today's show notes for those of you who aren't in a place where you can write that down. Are you the one recording the audio book? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's my voice. I read the book. That's awesome. See, it really will be like you could pull out your coffee and just listen. That's a, I love that so much. Uh, well, Tom, thank you again for taking time to come on. I cannot wait to release this to listeners. And please, for those of you listening, I highly, highly recommend this book. So you need to get a copy of that in your hands. And again, those uh, links will be in today's show notes. God bless you, Rachel. Thank you. It is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show that we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. Today we discussed many things, but the one that stood out to me was that secret to success. Tom and I discussed how God views success versus how the world does, and I want to take a moment to allow you some space to process what success and failure looks like to you. So I have two extremely simple action steps for you today. Okay, are you ready? The first one, write or think about your definition of success. The second one, ask God if that lines up with his definition of success for you. Okay, and I have one bonus action step. 
by Tom's book, Tested and Approved. You guys, this book was life-changing for me, and it goes further into detail on all of the things that I discussed with him today, and as well as all the things that I didn't even get the time to discuss with him. I cannot recommend this book enough. Um, In fact, it's one, and I believe I said this in the interview with Tom, it's one that I continue to go back to and pick up because the chapters are written in such a way where you can kind of flip around to whatever topic feels relevant to you in that season. And so it's just full of so much wisdom. I highlighted it. It's like literally just a big yellow highlighter now in my book. So that is your bonus action step is get the book. It's totally worth it, I promise. Okay, well, that concludes our Get Real Practical segment for today. Hey, if you have not already left a review for this show on Apple Podcasts, I know I sound like a broken record, but I feel like I just have to remind you guys Would you mind taking a moment to do so today? I read every single one of those reviews that come through and it helps other people find the show as well. Okay, friends, that's all for today. I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.